Picture this, you're sitting down to watch a live poetry performance. The first poet takes the stage, and as they begin to read, they're accompanied by a live jazz band. If this sounds intriguing, well, you're in luck. International Jazz Poetry Month returns to Pittsburgh on May 2nd. The festival features more than 50 artists, including local jazz icons and poets from Algeria, Cuba, Sudan, and Ukraine. Tickets to watch online or in person at City of Asylum's home on the north side are free. Get yours at cityofasylum.org before they're gone. Here's what Pittsburgh is talking about. I can't believe I'm saying this, but it's been 20 years this week since Fred Rogers, a.k.a. Mr. Rogers, passed away. And I think I feel that way living here because it feels like he's still around. We're revisiting one from the vault today to celebrate the newest incarnation of his legacy, the wildly popular, now 10-year-old animated series, Daniel Tiger's Neighborhood. It's Wednesday, March 1st. I'm Megan Harris, and this is CityCast Pittsburgh. So I'm with Chris Loggins, supervising producer on the show. Daniel Tiger is the company's first show after the Fred Rogers original. What was that like for you coming in as part of the process to reimagine something that generations of kids already knew and loved? Like, were you excited, nervous? Did you watch the show as a kid? I did watch the show as a kid. I uh, remember I say that one of my first television memories was watching Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood. And I watched all kinds of TV, so it wasn't just like, you know, I was like a Mr. Rogers super fan. I'm not going to act like that. But I, I do remember <laughs> watching the show and seeing uh, a segment from Picture Picture when he would go over to um, the painting and he would show a video about how people make things. And it was the one about how people make peanut butter. And I have a very early like memory of like the visuals of the jars going down in the factory line and Mr. Rogers explaining about how the peanuts are turned into peanut butter and they go in. Uh, into the jar and everything so definitely did watch the show had had a definite uh, familiarity with it I love that it's and... a food memory that really like stuck <laughs> with you you know isn't that like yes. <laughs> central to us as humans <laughs> yes yes probably had something to do about like I knew as a kid you know we all probably ate a lot of peanut butter and it was like oh that's where that comes from absolutely um, which is a cool thing that Mr. Rogers did but as far as um, working on the show I think all of us felt good about the work that we were doing before the show premiered. Um, but there was a little bit of nervousness knowing that it's the first show that was produced by uh, Fred Rogers Productions since yeah. Mr. Rogers. So, you know, very high, high bar and high expectations. Yeah, because he passed in 2003. So then this is, you know, nine years later. It's the first, I imagine the first show that he's not actively involved in the production of. Um, did he ever talk about, you know, being interested in like the form of animation and that kind of thing? Because Daniel does really bring the whole neighborhood into the 21st century. He's he's a legacy character. Uh, he's familiar, but he's different. He's his own person. I unfortunately never had a chance to meet Mr. Rogers, but I work with several people who did work on Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood and have a lot of foundational knowledge. And I've learned that Mr. Rogers did talk about animation and uh, was thinking about that as an art form and, and what 
he could do with it and what the company could do uh, with animation. So uh, that is helpful to know that it, it was something that he was thinking about. Yeah, I love that. How do you decide on, uh, you know, kind of the trajectory of the shows, the plot lines or the lessons that Daniel gets to learn day to day or the situations that he's in? Um, what are those conversations like and who gets to be part of them? Well, on everything that we do at Fred Rogers Productions, we work with child development advisors to inform the decisions we're making. So I mentioned working with people that worked on Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood and our advisors on Daniel Tagger's Neighborhood. Many of them worked with Mr. Rogers on uh, Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood. Hedda Sherapan is one of those people. Uh, oh, wow. Been... So it's a continuation, really, of the same process that you guys were using in the 70s and 80s. Yes, yes. Uh, in a way, and actually going back before, even before that, uh, Fred would meet with his advisor at the time, Margaret McFarlane, and they would have meetings. She was uh, a pioneer in the field of child psychology, and he learned a lot from her, and then and, and she would help him have ideas that then would get incorporated in his scripts. And uh, fun fact, Margaret Tiger in Daniel Tiger's Neighborhood is named after Margaret Aww. McFarlane. So we kind of honor her legacy in that way, but we still rely upon child development advisors to elevate our stories. So we meet as a group and we decide on um, themes, special areas of focus, content that we want to address in a season and um, put forth various ideas. But then we also present that to our writing team and we talk to them about what would make an entertaining stories that cover these themes. And uh, once we have that initial conversation, we start to put together a, a roadmap for the season of the types of stories we want to tell. Uh, and we all get together and have a big uh, kickoff discussion to map out uh, episodes for any given season. Uh, and it's a really fun collaborative process. Yeah, I mean, some of the words you're using uh, strike me as almost funny for children's programming, right? Like content um, <laughs> and things like that. Like, it's not how I typically think of how I would view a kid's show. Um, but of course, it makes perfect sense that that's how you're creating one on the back end. Um, I don't know if you have kids. I have a new baby at home. Congratulations. Thank you. Uh, a, a ton of parents, I got to tell you, have warned me expressly against a lot of children's programming, <laughs> um, all kinds of shows. Um, um, but Daniel somehow seems to get the seal of approval despite the singing. Um, I've been warned about <laughs> shows that sing. Um, so how do you strike that balance that like, you know, teaches, feels memorable, also sings um, and, and you know, doesn't grate on adults too much? I think it's because, well, first of all, I think it's a credit to the musicians that work on our show. Um, <laughs> many of them have kids themselves and I'm sure they're watching children's shows and are, and they want to make uh, songs, and we call them the strategy songs, the, the, the songs that Daniel sings about uh, different things, like dealing with mad feelings or trying new foods or sharing. Yeah. Um, and, and they do a great job of making them musical, and we often use the word sticky, memorable. Yeah, a friend um, of mine, when I told him I was doing, I was going to talk to you today, like started singing one at me immediately. <laughs> <laughs> that, they're so, that, that, but that's the other thing. I think that's another reason why uh, Dan, to use your language, Daniel gets the seal of approval is because these are universal um, life lessons that are, are relevant in the lives of children, but also, you know, as you grow older, um, I know that uh, the show is all about empathy and managing emotions and for preschoolers, new experiences. And these are things that 
I think we all experience and use throughout life. And these are songs that are to help in those areas. So that's why I think that um, it resonates in that way. And every day I find myself thinking of a strategy um, to use from the show, whether it's uh, when you feel so mad that you want to roar, take a deep breath and count to four. Or uh, <laughs> if you have to go potty, stop and go right away. We all need that one every day. <laughs> I love this. I hope that you're in an interstitial or a promo for the show somewhere just doing that. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that would be great. Do you like to dance, look at beautiful art, eat gourmet snacks, people watch? Well, mark your calendars for Friday, June 7th for one of my favorite parties in Pittsburgh. It's Mattress Factory's 25th Garden Party. The theme this year is make-believe, and it's all to celebrate and support the creatives in our community. There's going to be live music, an open bar, an art auction, and probably my favorite, the costume contest. Trust me, I will be judging yins and so will everyone else there be playful be imaginative explore your magical realm because this is a theme party you want to come dressed to impress you must be 21 and up to attend and rest assured every dollar raised goes directly towards supporting the museum its art its education and all of its community outreach initiatives get your tickets now to the 25th mattress factory garden party they are in our show notes and online at mattress.org. Well, and I, I'm curious, like, as you've developed some of this, you know, how much of it still feels like Pittsburgh? Because, you know, if you even watch some back episodes of Fred, there are little pieces of the set and things like that, that like, if you grew up in this city, um, or you've lived here for any amount of time, like, it feels right, like, it feels like Pittsburgh. Right. Um, does Daniel, is Daniel able to capture any of that same magic? I do think so. And we are often thinking about, uh, or I should say we're constantly thinking about ways to incorporate Pittsburgh into the show. And we've done so in little ways, not only Pittsburgh, but also Mr. Rogers' neighborhood. So uh, there are nods to both. As I said, the neighbor, Daniel's neighborhood is the neighborhood of Maple Leaf. So some of the pieces from that set, whether it's the clock factory or the museum go round, uh, Ferris wheel, they are seen in Daniel Tiger's neighborhood. But also, uh, much like Fred Rogers would go out and visit people around Pittsburgh, real neighbors, um, and learn about things, we do that in Daniel Tiger's neighborhood in our live action segments that appear between um, the two animated stories. And we film all of those in and around Pittsburgh. And um, we've been everywhere from the Children's Museum to Phipps um, to Mount Washington uh, to help run the uh, the incline. Yeah. So we feature Pittsburgh in that way. And we work with uh, children that are not actors. They are not professional trained actors. Um, they're real Pittsburgh kids. And um, one of my favorite parts of the job is here when people find out that I work on the show, they'll say, oh, wow, you know, I saw my favorite pizza shop or I saw the park that I go to in the show. And oftentimes it can seem that real places that are featured on television, even in children's television, are usually the, the bigger cities like New York or Los yeah. Angeles. So it feels really cool to highlight Pittsburgh in that way. We call them um, postcards from Pittsburgh. Oh, uh, cute. And uh, and we also call the kids that appear them, they wear a red sweater 
um, just like Mr. Of Rogers. Of course, and, I, I, like you do. <laughs> and there are red sweater kids and get to go out and do some really fun things and meet some cool people and learn about the people in our neighborhood. Um, but even smaller ways, you can see details of Pittsburgh in the show. So there's a post office in the neighborhood of Make Believe. And if you look closely, we put some Pittsburgh icons on the stamps that appear in the post office. So there's That's so yellow... careful. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> we try to be thoughtful about everything we do. So the yellow bridges appear on some of the stamps. Um, there's a building that is reflective of the Cathedral of Learning on mm-hmm. the stamps in the background there. Uh, in every episode, Daniel also has an imagination moment where he pretends about something that's happening in his life. But in, the, in one of the imagination moments, Daniel is pretending to be a baseball player and we did intentionally choose to use um, black and yellow for his uniform, highlighting <laughs> our, our local team color. Yeah, of course. Uh, I'm impressed that you got Daniel out of his red sweater. I hear that that's a really big part of the show. Yes. <laughs> yes. Uh, what's your favorite part about the production um, and you know the sharing of this community? What What keeps you there, You know, producer to producer? My favorite part about working on the show throughout the years is when we get letters, uh, Facebook posts, emails from people that are using the show uh, and telling us about what it means to them and a time when a strategy came in very handy or um, a certain episode that is meaningful to them. That's that's my favorite part of the job because um, that is how we know that uh, the show is resonating on a, a bigger level than we might we might understand uh, on the, on the day to day. Yeah. I mean, not to get too heavy, but, you know, I remember in the uh, wake of Tree of Life, which, of course, was right down the street from Fred Rogers' actual home here in Pittsburgh. Um, so many people were torn, pointing to Fred Rogers Productions for the services and some of the conversational guidance for kids and things like that about just how to have these tough conversations with little ones that have no idea what's going on, right. but can feel right. that their parents are in a in a state. Right. Yes. And, and we get a lot of powerful letters about strategies that are used in situations like that and and how explaining things like that or or coping with things like that as an adult can be difficult um and without going into into too too many details it's just we do get a lot of good feedback about all that yeah yeah chris loggins is the supervising producer for the animated series daniel tiger's neighborhood which is still made here in pittsburgh by fred rogers productions chris thank you so much for talking to us here on citycast thank you for having me a little news before you go Pennsylvania Representative Mark Rossi never seemingly planned to be House Speaker, and that's probably a good thing because he only made it a couple of months. He announced his resignation early yesterday, and Democrat Joanna McClinton made history by succeeding him. McClinton is the first female speaker and the second black speaker of the Pennsylvania House. She was supported by all 102 Democrats in the chamber and no Republicans. And the troop reports that Vento's Pizza in East Liberty is closing this weekend. The family-owned spot has been serving pizza and hoagies for almost seven decades. And Papa Vento, the original founder, was also the founder of Franco's Italian Army. They were a classic fan group celebrating the beloved stealer Franco Harris, who also died last year on the anniversary of his most iconic achievement, the Immaculate Reception. 
That's all for today here on CityCast Pittsburgh. A special thanks to all the listeners of the podcast out there and folks who read and write into the newsletter. Um, We got a special note yesterday from allegedly the niece of Mr. Rogers herself saying that she misses him terribly and really appreciates everyone when they bring up his memory and keep it alive. Thanks to her. If you're liking the show, please tell a friend, rate us, leave us a review, and of course, subscribe to that newsletter. All the links are in our show notes. We'll be back tomorrow morning with more news from around the city. Talk to y'all soon. All right, now I'm ready. Gotcha. I have this all written down on my other computer. (laughs) Cue cards are important. I appreciate it.